Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Please take a seat. We are just so excited to have you here tonight. If you don't know me, my name is Josh, and tonight, as Chris mentioned earlier, we are launching a brand new four-part series, Comparison Trap. Now, this brand new series is for anybody who has what I like to call an appetite for known. You want to be known by someone and you want to be known for something. And before you say that isn't you, the reality is we all want to be known by someone for something, including me. Regardless of whether you're a church person or not, we all desire to be known by someone for something. When you get up in the morning, there's an audience in mind. When you go to work, there's an audience in mind that you want to be noticed by. When you go to school, there's, there's a group of people that you want to be noticed by. In your neighborhood, there's a group of people that you want to be admired by. We all want to be known by someone, and we all want to be known for something. You want to be liked, you want to be friended, you want to be followed, and you want to be admired. Um, And it'll come up on the screen in two slides' time. Beautiful. And there we are. You want to be friended, followed, liked, and mentioned. There's a group of us, you know, we, we upload things on Instagram, we upload things onto Facebook, and we see how many likes we get, we see how many followers we have on Instagram. Some of you have already taken a snap of tonight, or you're going to take a snap of me and throw it up on Instagram and go, hey, look, look where I am, and you're going to see how many likes you can get. Some of you can't remember the last meal you didn't take a photo of, because you just take the photos of every meal, because you just want to get as many likes as possible. We all want to be recognized, admired, and followed. And if you can't relate to any of that, if you're kind of tech uh, tech not savvy, uh, there's kind of a second category for everybody here. You want to be recognized, you want to be admired, you want to be sought after. And we don't admit this last one, but you want to be envied. That's why you bought that car. That's why you keep your house so clean. That's why you have to continue to buy the the top-line products, even if it doesn't fit in your budget. That's why you continue to buy clothes and update your your fashion, even though you've got enough clothes. That's why you clean your house when people are coming over. You don't clean your house at all. You don't clean your car at all. You don't care about you. But when somebody else is coming over, you make sure the house is clean. You make sure the car is spotless because at the end of the day, why do we do that? Because we do it. Because what will people think of us? We all want to be known by someone for something. And this started when you and I were children. This started with statements like this. Mommy, watch. Daddy, watch. Mama, watch. Mama, watch. Mama, watch. Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. And it'd be the same thing every time. Like, I was, a, I was a kid, and I loved kicking the ball up in the tree. And I would kick the ball up in the tree, and then grab Dad and be like, Hey, Dad, look, I kicked the ball in the tree. And then Dad would bring it down, like, good job, son. And then, don't do it again, though. And then what would I do? I'd go grab the ball, kick the ball, get it in the tree, and then be like, Dad, look, the ball got stuck up in the tree. And I'd just do it over and over and over and over. Like, what is that? That's that thing inside of you, inside of me, that wants to be known. And from the outset, when we step into this universe, that our primary audience is our parents. And so we crave their attention. However, when we graduate, when we go to high school, that audience all of a sudden changes. We, there's a group of friends in mind, there's a certain boy in mind, there's a certain girl that we want to be admired by, that we want to be noticed by. For some of you, it was a coach. For others of you, it was a teacher. Or maybe, maybe not a teacher, but you knew people who uh, had craved the attention of teachers and you branded them as teachers' pets. Like, what is that? It's people that want the attention of the teacher, right? 
as people that crave to be admired and recognized by the teacher. See, we all want to be known by something, by someone for something, and it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a parent, whether you're um, a high schooler, whether you're um, still in primary school, whether you're a uni student, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, we all want to be known by someone for something. However, our desire to be known can get us caught up in a bit of a mess because we can find ourselves trying to bank shot our self-esteem off the way the others around us look and the way they behave. And all of a sudden, we get caught in this never-ending game of comparisons where we evaluate how we're doing depending on the people around us. We evaluate our worth and our value by comparing specific aspects of our lives to the lives of others. We kind of look at our life, we look at our wealth, or we look at how popular we are, and we determine kind of how, how important we are. We determine how popular we are, we determine our value, we determine our worth, we determine if we're going okay. And we don't just stop with ourselves, but we go and do it for other people. We, we evaluate how they're doing. They're, they're, they're either here, or they're, they're better than us, or they're below us, but we evaluate their value, their worth, and their success, depending on how they measure up. And as we're going to discover tonight, getting caught in this endless game of comparisons is actually not something you want to be a part of. It's actually a trap, because when you compare, you become a part of what I like to call the comparison ladder, where you you become a rung, and not just you, but everybody becomes a rung on what I like to call the comparison ladder, and now everybody's tension can be put at ease because you've been wondering what this thing has been for the whole time. This is the comparison ladder. And you, we put our people in these categories, uh, categories and we become part of this uh, comparison ladder when we compare. Because when we compare, what do we do? We compare to find out if we're okay. And... Uh, if, or if we're not okay. And we don't just compare to find out if we're okay or if we're not okay, but we determine whether people are okay or if they're not okay. Not, if, not just if they're okay, but if some people are better than okay, if I'm better than okay. And sometimes we determine who's best. We categorize, we rank people depending on how they measure up. We look to our left and we look to our right to determine where people sit on this ladder and determine where we sit on this ladder. And depending where we, how we measure up, our value rises or our worth drops, depending on where we sit on this comparison ladder. And for you, uh, it could be different, but for me, I noticed this kind of phenomenon when I was 10 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love cricket. I'm part of like the 1% of the nation that loves cricket. Everybody else kind of gets bored. In fact, some of you have, uh, like me mentioning the word, just kind of puts you to sleep and you're like, so please stay with me. Uh, I just love cricket. I've loved cricket ever since I was a kid. And when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be the best cricket player in the world. I didn't just want to be okay. I didn't want to be better than okay. I wanted to be the best cricketer on the field. And every Every Saturday, I would, I would get ready. I'd make sure that my pads were clean. I'd make sure that my bat was ready to go. And every Saturday morning when I was 10 years old, I'd go out to play. And if I did well, if I scored a lot of runs, if I took a lot of wickets, if I took a screamer of a catch, I felt fantastic about myself. I felt valuable. I felt awesome. I felt important. I was on a high for the whole week because I thought I was the best. I was better than everyone on the field, and that made me feel fantastic. Occasionally, 
I wouldn't do that well. Actually, not occasionally. I was a mediocre cricketer, unfortunately, and a lot of the time I wouldn't do that well. And I'd get out cheaply, wouldn't make that many runs, wouldn't take that many wickets, I'd drop a catch here or there, and when I did that, I would feel terrible. I'd go home and just not feel great. I'd look myself in the mirror and feel inadequate. And I'd go home and I'd train and work harder and I'd go out so then I could be better than everybody else next Saturday. And then there was this weird thing inside of me. When I failed on Saturday, I would secretly hope that my team and the other team would fail, that they would do worse than me, that they would get out cheaply. And I know that sounds terrible, but that's kind of the nature of comparisons. It finds us secretly hoping that people will fail. And when people fail, we inwardly celebrate. And we hate that about ourselves. I, I hated it about myself. Like, what is that? Like, why would I celebrate, like, somebody on my team failing? Well, it's this thing of comparison. It's the nature of comparison. See, when we compare, we determine whether we're okay or not okay. Whether we're better than okay or we're the best. And if we want to be the best, then we have to be better than everybody else. Makes sense, right? But if somebody else, that means other people are going to do worse than us. And it causes us to secretly hope that people will fail. Now, you may not like cricket. In fact, I'm willing to bet a lot of you don't like cricket. But I can imagine there are some of you here that want to be successful. Some of you here want to be the most successful person, whether that's in business, whether that's at school, whether that's at uni, but you want to be the best. You want to be the best musician, you want to be the best actor, you want to be the best. And so you evaluate your success, you evaluate how talented you are, depending on how everybody else is. And you categorize and you rank people depending on how successful they are. They're either not so successful, somewhat successful, successful, or really successful. Others of you, it's not success, but it's importance. You want to be important. You want to be the most important person when you walk into the room. You want to be the most important person at school. You want to be the most important person at work. And so you kind of evaluate your importance, however you do that. That's kind of the nature of comparisons, it's not fair. And you determine how, how, how important you are, depending on how important everybody else is. And then they're either not important or really important, or somewhere in between. Others of you, it's wealth. You want to be rich. You want to be, uh, you want to be rich. You want to be richest. You want to be richer than all your friends, right? And so you categorize and you rank people depending on their, their bank balance, depending on how much they earn. And they're either poor or they're rich or they're somewhere in between. Others of you, you don't care about wealth, but you care about talent. You want to be the most talented person, whether it's at soccer, whether it's at uh, musicals, whether it's at um, just band. You want to be the most talented person. And you evaluate you know, your team and you evaluate the teams around you and depend, determine like, how you measure up to all the other players, to all the other people, and you determine who's, who's talented, most talented, who's the least talented, and where do you fit in between that? Some of you, it's popularity. You go to Facebook, you go to Instagram to see if you're worth anything, to see just how popular you are. And for some of you, you've been playing this game for a while. Some of you have been determining how, your, how, how valuable you are depending on how popular you are. And you go to Facebook and you go to Instagram and you determine how you fit. 
And some of you have been playing this game for too long, and you've concluded that you're not valuable at all. You've concluded that I don't have enough followers, I don't have enough friends, and therefore I am not valuable. And I, you just need to hear this tonight. If that's you, if you've concluded that from your evaluation of popularity, you need to hear this. You are valuable and you are important, regardless of what Facebook says, regardless of what Instagram says. See, comparisons prevent you from seeing your own beauty and importance. And you who compare your body image to the body images of others know this. Because when you see someone fiddling you, when you see someone who's got that waistline that you desire, when you see a photo of the way you used to look, where they're that five kilo less version of you, that younger version of you, you feel terrible. In fact, when you look yourself in the mirror, you're not happy at all. And so you go to the gym, you lose weight, but you never seem to be satisfied. You're chasing this never-ending goal. You never are happy with who you are, never happy with the way you look. And believe it or not, that's not because you don't look great, that's not because you're not beautiful, but that's because comparisons prevent us from seeing our own value and seeing our own beauty. See, at the end of the day, comparisons hurt us and they diminish our capacity to love ourselves, but not only love ourselves, but love others. See, when you're trying to reach the top of the comparison ladder, it's causes you to pull others down. It causes you to try and one-up everybody else. And so it diminishes not only your capacity to love yourself, but to love others. See, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. There is no win in comparison. There are no winners. There is nobody who reaches the top of the comparison ladder and wins. Now, some of you want to just take a time out and go, hey, Josh, well, I understand that there is no win in comparison, great introduction, but what if I reach the top? Like, aren't I the best then? Like, isn't that a winner? Whoever reaches the top, aren't they a winner? Well, I'll let you decide on that. See, because you've met people who have reached the top of the comparison ladder, and this is what you say about them. They just think they are better than everybody else. They act like they are better than everybody else. They treat me like I'm not as valuable as them. You say that about them, and do you like them? No, you don't like them at all because they devalue you and they, feel, they act like they're superior to you. You don't want to reach the top of the comparison ladder because when you reach the top, you're not a winner at all. You're, you just lord over your superiority over everybody else. Well, what about the people who have reached the top of my comparison ladder? Well, the comparison ladder is unique to you. Just because someone's at the top of your comparison ladder doesn't mean they're at the top of their own. And you don't. There is no win in comparisons. And so tonight, and for the rest of this series in part two, part three, and part four, we're going to get really practical and show you just how you escape this comparison trap so it doesn't hurt you, so it doesn't prevent you from seeing your own beauty and value, so it doesn't diminish your capacity to love other people. And tonight, I'm just here to kind of give you the introduction to the series, I'm just here to lay the foundation, I'm not here to give you any uh, practical steps to overcome it, I'm just here to help you identify it. Next week, we're going to get really practical, and for the rest of the series, we're going to get really, really practical and show you just how to escape it. But tonight, I just want to give you kind of the, the starting point. 
I want to give you the launching pad so that you can identify this problem in your own life. Because if you want to escape a trap, you need to first recognize that you're caught. If you want to uh, resolve a problem, you need to identify that there is a problem. And so tonight, I just want to help you identify just where you may be susceptible to this comparison trap. And to help you do that, we're going to look um, at the teaching of a man named Solomon. Uh, Solomon uh, lived about 3,000 years ago, and he was extremely wealthy. Uh, In fact, he was the most wealthy person at his time. Uh, He was the king of a vast empire. He created one of the seven wonders of the world. He had over 900 wives, which is pretty impressive. Um, He uh, really, he's considered the most wise person of his time. Uh, Kings and queens would literally come and sit at his feet and ask for wisdom. And Solomon uh, records uh, this teaching about comparisons uh, in one of his books called Ecclesiastes. And he takes a step back from the world and he looks out on the world and he draws this conclusion in Ecclesiastes 4, and it's up on the screen if you want to follow along. He says, And I saw all the toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another person. Now, all toil, all achievement, he doesn't literally mean all toil, all achievement. That's uh, what we call hyperbole. It's an exaggeration of the truth to point us towards Solomon's point. And Solomon's point is this. He saw people determining where they were, depending on where everybody else was. He saw people trying to climb this comparison ladder, trying to become more successful so they would reach the top, so they could get more followers, so they could feel more important, so they could feel more popular. He he saw people going to the gym to try and outdo everybody else. He saw people working day in, day out, so they could be more successful, so they could be more wealthy. And he saw people doing this, and he draws this conclusion about it in the next verse. He says, this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Solon, what do you you think about comparisons? It's meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You can never reach it, you can never catch it, you can't catch wind, nor can you catch comparisons. You can never reach the top, you will always lose, there is no winner, it will always leave you searching. So, what are we supposed to do then? Like, if, if we can't reach the top, and even if we reach the top, like, it, we're not going to want to, what, what do we do? How do we escape this trap? Well, Solomon goes on, and some of you are thinking, well, do we just do nothing? Do we just give up and fold their hands? Well, Solomon says no. In fact, he goes on and says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. You'd be a fool to do nothing. You know, like, I'm not, Solomon's not saying don't be ambitious, like he had 900 wives and like a vast empire, like he was ambitious, all right? Like Solomon's not saying don't be ambitious, and if you do nothing, you're going to be left with nothing and eventually you will self-destruct. So doing nothing isn't a way out of the comparison trap, you have to do something else and Solomon gives us this next statement, And this statement is really the starting point for how you can overcome your tendency to compare. If you can just remember this one statement, you will be positioning yourself in an amazing spot to overcome your tendency to compare. Solomon writes this in the next verse. He says, better one handful with tranquility. Now, that's an old-fashioned word. We don't really use that. Tranquility really means contentment. So, better one handful with tranquility or contentment 
than to have two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And the Hebrew imagery that Solomon uses is so rich. This is what it looks like. Better to have one hand open. Uh, The implication being that God can put in it and take out of it whatever God chooses. Better to have one hand open and being content with whatever one hand can hold than to have two handfuls clenched, grabbing onto anything and everything you can get. Better to be content with a little than to have plenty and be discontent. Because where there is discontentment, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no satisfaction, there is no peace, there is no tranquility at the end of the day when you're clenching on to everything else. And when you tighten your fingers around everything you can get, there is always something that you can't get. And Solomon's like, it's better to learn to be content with one hand, one hand open, allowing God to put in it and take out of it whatever He chooses and to be content with whatever He gives you. And he goes on and gives this illustration. He doesn't give us much about how we can do that, but we're going to talk about that in next parts two, three, and four. But he goes on to kind of give us a little bit more scope around comparisons. And he said, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Like, what a thrilling speech. Just meaningless stuff everywhere. But Solomon's so wise, he actually makes meaningless things sound important. And he gives us this illustration. There was a man all alone. He had, neither no bro- he had neither a brother nor a son. Now, Solomon's not just pointing out that he doesn't have a, a sibling or a, or a brother, but he's pointing out the fact that this is a man who is all alone. This is a man who has no family around him. This is a man who's crowded out everyone, not because uh, people don't want to lean in, but because he wants to push people out. Because he wants to reach the top of the comparison ladder, and he's worried that if he lets people in, they'll take away from him. He'll, he'll lose out on something. And so, he pushes people away. And Solomon continues on with his illustration. He tells us more about this man. He says, there was no end to his toil. There's no end to this man's toil, which really means this is a wealthy man. This is a man who has a whole lot of money. This is a man who has it all. He's got a boat, he's got a house, he's got a holiday home. He's got, he's got the lot, right? And yet, Solomon goes on, he tells us this, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. This is a man who has everything and yet he is not content with what he has. This is a man who's grabbing onto everything and yet he is not content with what he has. Which brings up an important point about comparisons. As long as you compare, you will never be content. Wherever comparisons begin, contentment ends. You will never be fully and finally satisfied as long as you compare. Solomon goes on to tell us this question that this man asks, and it's such a profound and important question. And if you, it's a question, if you and I honestly asked it, we would be positioning ourselves in a fantastic place to overcome our tendency to compare. And he says, for whom am I toiling, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? For whom am I toiling? At the end of the day, your tendency to compare is con- connected to who you want to be known by and what you want to be known for. Whom am I toiling? And I love that last part. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? See, at the end of the day, comparisons steal our joy. There's a famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt where he says, comparisons are the thief of joy. 
the thief of joy. They, it steals your joy. You will never be happy. You will never be fully and finally satisfied as long as you compare. At the end of the day, there is no win in comparison. And I just love the way Solomon wraps his, this kind of this argument up and this statement up. And he gives us this one last phrase. And he says, this too is meaningless. A miserable business. Like, Solomon, what do you, what do you think about comparisons? It's a miserable business. It's not something you want to be involved in because at the end of the day, there is no winner. There is nobody who comes out on top. It just diminishes your ability to love others, diminishes your ability to love yourself, and prevents you from seeing your own value and beauty. It deprives you of joy and deprives you of contentment. Aren't you just glad you came to church? Don't worry, there is, there is some good news. We're going to talk, talk about how you can overcome that. And I just want to leave you kind of with three questions. Three questions that you can ask tonight and ask of yourself this week um, to help you overcome your tendency to compare. These, this will just help you identify just where you may be susceptible to compare so that next week when you come back, you know exactly where you need to head. You know exactly the area that you need to address. And so... Uh, we've got this thing called For Monday, um, which is just the application um, of Sunday's message because we kind of feel, you know, if I kind of get up here for 20 minutes and then tell you just like how bad comparisons are but don't tell you how to get out of it, it like church would just suck. So I'm just going to show you um, kind of three questions that you can ask of yourself this week. Um, so question number one uh, for this For Monday is to ask yourself, what would you need to be content? What would you need to be content? Is it a, is it a better car? Is it some nicer clothes? Is, isn't that dream kitchen? Is it that uh, acquired GPA that you really want? Is that that OP that you've been striving for all semester? Is it, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it a relationship? Is it, a, a, is it an in with a certain friendship group? Is it, is it a certain amount of followers? What would you need to be content? And when you discover, when you answer this question and you discover the answer to it, you discover two things about yourself. Firstly, you're not content with what you have. You're not content with who you are. When you discover that there's something that you need to be content, at the end of the day, you're not content with who you are. And the second thing you discover is that whatever that thing is, that's the thing that's keeping you from being content. If it's a relationship, then it's your desire for a relationship that is keeping you from being content. If it's wealth, then it's your wealth that's keeping you from being content. Whatever that thing is that you would need to be content, that is the thing that's getting in the way of your contentment. And there's two more questions, and these kind of connected to each other. Question number two is this. Whose attention are you seeking? Who do you want to be noticed by? Who, you, who do you want to be admired by? Who do you want to be recognized by? Who do you want to kind of look in on your life and go, man, I just want to be friends with that person. Man, they, they did such a fantastic job. Is it a boss that you want to be noticed by? Is it um, a family member that you're seeking the attention of? Is it your child? You want to be noticed by them. You want them to think that you're the most fantastic father, the most fantastic uh, son. Oh, f- fantastic mother. Um, whatever it is. Is it, is it a certain boy or girl? What do you want? Who do you want to be noticed by? Whose attention are you seeking? And finally, 
Why are you seeking it? Why do you want them to notice you? Why do you want them to kind of lean in and, and find out who you are? When you genuinely answer these three questions, you begin to discover just what you want to be known for and who you want to be known by. And when you discover that, you discover just where you may be susceptible to comparing. We're going to draw to a close uh, for tonight. And I just want uh, you to imagine for a second as we draw to a close. Imagine what life would look like if you didn't have to compare. Imagine what it would look like if you walked into a room and you didn't feel yourself leaning to the left and looking how, how they're going and looking to your right and seeing how they're going. And you just were content with who you are. Imagine if you didn't have to compare. Imagine if you could walk into a room and you could be surrounded by people with uh, better bank balances, better jobs, and you could be content. Imagine that regardless of whether you had a relationship or not, that you could be content with what you had. Imagine what life would look like. No matter you know, what you, uh, whatever you earn for your job, that you would be content with what you had. Imagine a life that no matter what circle of popularity you're in, that you would be content with the person you are. Imagine that life. It'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be pretty awesome. And that's ultimately what we want for you. We want you to be free of this trap of comparisons because at the end of the day, there just is no winners. Nobody comes out on top. So please join us next week as we continue this discussion about how we can overcome and escape this comparison trap. We're going to pray right now and the band's going to play afterwards. Dear God, we just thank you that, um, that you've given us everything we need to be content. Uh, we just pray that you would uh, help us to learn to uh, be content with one hand open rather than trying to grab onto everything we can get our hands on. We just pray, Lord, uh, that you would help us to escape this comparison trap because there is no winners at the end of the day, Lord. Uh, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.